welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, or whenever you happen to be listening, because after all, it's your podcast. Now, joining me today is a man who is on a quest. He's on a quest to take big boxes. He's in a quest to fill them with stuff. He's in a quest to make sure that those big boxes get across the other side of the world into the hands of backers from near and far, and especially those who have been involved in some kind of Kickstarter. It is the only, the magnificent, the wonderful Mr. Nigel Matthews from Games Quest. So hello, Nigel. Hey, Richard. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. What a lovely introduction. Well, you go. Half your audience is going, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest of them have switched off. Where's my box? Who's got my box? (laughs) Come on. Let's not bring work into this. You're not here to discuss. You're not here to talk about your business. This isn't any kind of shameless plug. You, 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 um, you just introduced me as somebody who wants to get a quest. You, you, anyway, I'll behave. I'll say the thing. No, you won't. No, you won't. Um, the reason that we're doing this is because, um, well, over the well over the last couple of years, because it has almost been a couple of years now, we've had a lot of creators. We've had a lot of developers. We've had other content creators, we've had artists, we've had authors, we've had different people doing creative stuff. But what happens when what what basically happens when these people create something for you and they end up putting, you know, wanting to get it delivered to you. And Games Quest over the last couple of years has kinda of stepped in, stepped up to the plate and said, Hey, guys, we can do this for you. So we decided after, you know, all of the businesses that we've spoken to, and we had Peter Blenken on recently, who, you know, um, he's used GamesQuest now, he's used GamesQuest in the past, we've had a lot of other co- businesses as well using them. We thought it was time to ask him, ask Nigel on to have a chat, and as always, to tell us a little bit about himself, a little bit about GamesQuest, and what's going to happen in the future of the business. So, again, listen, thank you very, very much for for kind of coming on. Thanks for inviting um, me. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. As we say, the reason that we do this is quite simply there's not enough podcasts out there about board games. And as I say, the second reason that we're doing this is because I sent I sent a little email into Games Quest and said, would somebody like to come on the show? And Nigel went, I'll do it! <laughs> and he, and he it was more a case of, you're doing it! What? <laughs> 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 That's it. I think that's the only reason they got you to do it is because you hadn't listened to the show before. <laughs> so he said he doesn't he doesn't know what he's getting himself and into. I, had, no, Joe, I did listen to the show and, and and you remind me of one of my, my interviewing heroes, which is of course Michael Parkinson. So so the fact because you sounded like Michael Parkinson, I decided I was gonna come on board. Well that's very, very much appreciated, good sir. Um it's a delight to have you on. Um Let's stare back a little bit into the past, because as we say, we have a we like to have a little look at your history. So mm. we're going to have a little stare back into the past before we pick and pack the present before shipping it off to the future. That's um, that's a great pun. I, I, I love the pun. You are Mister Pun, aren't you? <laughs> and Mister Segway. Um, do you? <laughs> So do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about your history? I mean, how you got into kind of like the tabletop hobby yourself? Um, uh, well, um, being 
of a slightly older generation now, uh, slight, slightly different. I, well, like most people, um, I didn't really get into board games. Um, it was very much role playing uh, that I first kind of got into, um, and that was with um, good old Steve Jackson before he did GURPS. He did a, um, something called Into the Labyrinth. Um, so uh, we, me and my friends, we all started doing Into the Labyrinth. Um, and then at the age of fourteen, I got into into play by mail games. So that, that was kind of really then. That, that for the next kind of maybe decade, maybe a bit less than that, but certainly um, for the next uh, good good few years was uh, was getting into into play by mail games where um, I obviously um, uh, ended up designing and, and and running my own own uh, play by mail games as well. So um, so that was kind of really how I really kind of started into into gaming. I, I did some board gaming, but it wasn't the, the hobby was nowhere near the size and diversity that it, it that it is now. So really kind of a good game game monopoly really was probably um probably my my length of my board gaming criteria there so really it was all about role playing and then even to the point where i ended up doing um and designing free formatted um uh, murder mystery games that uh, and, and running those at the likes of games day and bedding festivals and that sort of stuff as well so so really all all, all really stem from that's how i really kind of got into it so um so board gaming came very very much later so let's um let's i'm gonna kind of take it back a bit because you said play by mail yeah. and people are going to be like sitting there going what is how do you do that how does that work I take it you you know it's obviously a distance thing so somebody emails you over kind of like what they're going to do and you can email back and it's like no back in the day back in the day yeah back in the day where this was not but fields and trees what they used to do yeah. and when the post office used to deliver more than just like takeaways and offers of uh, double glazing yep. and the occasional bill. People used to, and you correct correct me if I'm wrong, people used to run campaigns and they used to, um, people used to kind of get involved and what would happen is they would, they would write down what they were wanting to do or give instructions. They would stick it, stick it in a letter, stick it in an envelope, stick a stamp on yep. it, stick it to an address it get opened by somebody at the other end who would gaze upon yep. the instructions, yep. and then you would issue kind of fresh orders. So this isn't this is like long term yep. kind of game. It was <laughs> the anticipation of waiting for your turn to arrive in a post was yeah sometimes unbearable, depending obviously what was what was going to happen, you know. And uh, and the real good companies would you know you'd know your turn would be arriving within ten days, for example, you know. So. Um, but uh, yeah, that was you know, in its basic format. If you can think of a game of chess, where both players have got a board in front of them, and one player says, you know, bishop to this and knight to four and pawn to here, and then you make the moves on your board and send back what your move was. That it, that would be in its very, very, very simplest format um, from that side of things as well. But um, but yeah, and you know, it was a real, it was a boom industry. You know, particularly in the um, um, probably mid eighties to to early nineties. It was it was a big hobby. You know, there was um, we we had conventions and uh, you know, it was a few thousand people would would come to these conventions. So um, yeah, it was a big hobby. Did anyone? Did you make any money out of it? Was it, I mean, it was something that you kind of did as a hobby. Is it like I guess is it like kind of like content creation nowadays, where there was a lot of people doing it, but it was only. There's a lot of people just not making any money, but doing it for kind of like the love of the job. 
for the love of the hobby. Oh, totally. I mean, it, it, even to these, same as these days, as I think there's a lot of people who who will be involved in uh, in this industry as a cottage industry, you know, work from home as a, as a and for the love of it. So, um, no, not really. Uh, and I don't think anybody really did really um there's two types of of of, of game was a hand moderated game and um and a computer moderated game so basically you know everybody had to get one well, the computer moderated games everybody had to get their orders in by a certain time and you had a certain amount of types of orders you can do and all the orders get crunched mm. into the computer the computer work it out um and then and then send every order uh, uh, all the orders back and that was the only way you could possibly make money is if you had a really good computer moderated game um that was highly addictive and and you could you could um, you could do it but then you know pc gaming then came in and and that really kind of why would you spend two or three pounds you know to do that when you could hop online and play with your games your mates online so that was it was all the end of it so no i don't think anybody made any serious money out of it but um but yeah did you ever have folk you know, you said conventions. <clears throat> Did you ever, you ever have folk kind of like dressing up for them? Was there any? I mean, was cosplay a thing in the eighties, or did everybody kind of like just turn up and kind of like, all right, I'm, um, I'm Elvin the Destroyer. All right, I'm, uh, I'm Eldrick the Bard. How are you? Kind of thing. Yeah, that was- or did anybody kind of dress up no. with big swords? And no, stuff like? no, not that I remember. Um, uh, no, I-, I cannot remember. I don't think you needed to because, of course, you always had um, a visualization of of what that person that you were writing to. Because um, you know, there's a couple of really good examples that, that we can give. <laughs> I remember when I was uh, when I was first started to play, and, um, and I was playing a, uh, playing this uh, game called the Keys of Bled. I think it was, and um, <laughs> okay. Keys of Bled, and, and the Bled was this word. And, and, and my tribe ran into this other tribe, and I started corresponding um, um, with this lady called uh, Marion. And um, and and as a fourteen year old boy, <laughs> your kind of imagination <laughs> runs a bit right, doesn't it? You know, oh, I wonder if she's oh, I wonder if she's, oh, if she's my age. Did you have? <laughs> Did you have that Dreamweaver song kind of going through your head? She's a dream. Well, I certainly had dreams. Yeah. I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say what kind of dreams they were, but they were definitely dreams. <laughs> I was 14, for God's sake. Anyway, so I, I, I managed eventually, say, I arranged to call Marion at a certain time. Um, and, and back in my day, I didn't have a phone at home. I had to go up the phone box. Do you know what I mean? So it was an adventure just to get up that phone box and finally going to speak to Marion. So, uh, you know, ah, the excitement was, wow, the anticipation. It turns out she was 64 and retired. And, and, and um, but we still remain great friends, you know, end of the dream. But... <laughs> Did you do a lovely breakfast? <laughs> I don't know. I never will. Shush. I told you not to say that. Anyway, uh, but, but equally... Uh, um, uh, uh, a guy, I met another guy, uh, another guy. <laughs> Sounds positive. No, I met a friend of mine called David, and, and um, you know, through another game called World Avengers, and uh, where our tribes had to end up in a big battle together, and we became corresponded, became good friends, and you know, now you know, thirty-five years later, he is still one of my best friends, and was my best man at my wedding. So, I, I suppose I, I refer back to you didn't need to dress up because. You had in a mind what people potentially looked like because you never really saw these people um, 
you know, so you didn't really address that. You came as you are because nobody would know what you were going to look like anyway. But um, but yeah, there was it was a big hobby. There was regular London, the London pub meet uh, first of every month was yeah, you know, it was good. Fifty to hundred people used to come to the London pub meet, and the conventions were, were big as well. So and it's still a it's still a hobby, but it's played by email now. If you if you kind of have a look at Flying Buffalo with Rick Loomis, um, you know they're one of the, still the last probably great exponents of, of the hobby from that perspective as well so i mean were you well known i mean were you kind of were you kind of almost like semi-famous between the people that used to play your games uh, yes i i suppose i suppose i was a little bit uh, in the terms of uh, i was a bit of a character and um, i designed a game called um, infinite adventures which was a, a hand moderated role-playing game but it didn't <laughs> well, let's put it this way: I I couldn't get my head round because I used to be a role player. I couldn't get my head round it. Like you had games out there that were like, like sort of D and D games and that sort of stuff as well. And you go, well, oh, hold on a minute, I'm writing. So I'm writing my turn in, and seriously, yeah. this person is actually rolling dice at the other end of the post. Nah, <laughs> nah, that's not happening. <laughs> so, so the Infinite Adventures one that I designed was 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 free formatted. You know, it had you had certain stats, of course, you had health and that sort of stuff as well. But you know, it was all down to imagination. It was down to the imagination of the person who was writing the turns in, and down to my imagination in terms of um, in terms of what that write back. And I was I, I created this die line map which was which would fade. You put it under the sun, and it was fade, and people loved it. And you know, and I used to sit on different panels. Um, you know, at all these conventions and stuff, I was always invited onto the onto the panels because I was probably quite opinionated at the time. So, so I wouldn't say I was famous, but I was reasonably well known, I suppose. Um, I was a bit of a character, and um, yeah, it was all right. It was it was great fun. So, how long does it? I mean, how long does it take to to make a campaign up? I mean, as I mean, when you're catering for, I mean, how on average did you have a fair number of people? kind of on any campaign at one time i no, i didn't have any campaigns I, it was an open ended it was like a sandbox um so um so literally you were in this world you got put in a situation you got your characters and and then you know you had you had multiple choices from rumors or things or you heard certain stuff you could you could play high fantasy you could play low fantasy there was wars going on so it was an open ended sandbox of a world i didn't have a specific um, campaign and it was down to people outside of that game to, to liaise with other people either by writing to meet up and, and send their turns at the same time and that they would need to coordinate themselves when they would send their turns in as to where they want to work together to achieve something so so uh, there were other games out there um not as good of course but um <laughs> now there were other games out there that you could you could go on a on a on a, on a certain campaign so but yeah so and it was interesting because mystery and adventure games which are a games company my friend colin um w- w- was running a game called crisis um, yeah. and that was all computer moderated and that was kind of kind of well known as well so um and eventually i ended up um, um designing and running a computer moderated football game um which was kind of um which I suppose I thought was the the only way that you could possibly make any sort of money, um, you know, in 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 that sort of hobby. But um, yeah, it um, didn't happen. When you're talking computer moder- moderated, are you talking old? Are you talking BBC Micro type computing type thing? I mean, I mean, and I mean, were they? 
Did you go in and say, okay, this is what this person's doing? Did you have to program it up? Did you, you know, how did that kind of work? Because you're saying computer moderated. Was was there always somebody behind it kind of making up all the different kind of choices yeah, the and computer, abilities yeah, the computer, and stuff the, like computer, that? The computer program was generated, whether it's on a BBC or any computer at the time. And, and there, yeah. like any program, you could, crisis, for example, everybody controlled a country. You could build missiles, you could launch missiles, you could move land troops, you attack each other. It's like a, it was like a nuclear version, a nuclear war risk, really, in that sense. You know, everybody had to send mm-hmm. their orders at the same time and then it would, you know, it, it would, it would crunch out the numbers so you can launch 60 icbms and then if you if the person had defended them so it's just a mishmash all sorts of different types of games that um and and i suppose what similar i suppose to what um is with the board game market now is that there was a lot of diverse games if you could think of anything um there was a sort of game out there for you so um for for certain so yeah so, I mean, you said that naturally with the kind of the onset of kind of like PC gaming that the play by mail kind of gaming stuff kind of finished. So, I played Civilization. What we let's face it, who who didn't <laughs> turn to the dark side after playing Civilization when it first came out? I'm always up to the wee I... hours, four o'clock in the morning, going to work bleary eyed, couldn't wait to get up there again. So yeah, I that, you know I, I kind of naturally moved away eventually to 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 to, to PC gaming. So. Because yeah, just love the game. So, I mean, what I remember about Civilization or playing Civilization was having to wait between the turns while the computer <laughs> kind of whirred away in the whirred away in the background, yeah. and it was fine at the very very yeah. beginning. But I remember actually having, yeah. Yeah. I remember having Civilization on the PlayStation One, and I remember at the point where you were just about to, you dominated the world. Yeah. You had to pretty much go away, <laughs> make yourself a cup of tea yeah. and boil the kettle because it just took like five totally. minutes to compute the entire totally. move. And totally. Just... It, it was, I mean, I, we, we still remember fondly when I first got my first ever computer game, which was um, a computer, which was a ZX81. And then people got the Spectrum <sighs> and sitting there yeah. and people look at you dumb now who didn't know those days of tumping the blinking tape recorder on and waiting and begging and hoping and praying to the gods of tape recorders that it would load after five minutes. You know, go on, load, go on. You know, I'm punching the air when it loaded because you knew you were set there for the next kind of like hour. It was ma- it was manic minor for me. I remember was it? I'll tell I'll tell an exact story. I had a tape recorder where, um, and you got them from Dixon's yeah, at the time. Yeah. And this one had a little tape tape recorder with a little volume control, and we ended up actually getting. Uh, and this was back in the day where Rice Krispies used to give away toys but for a while they gave away sticker sets so I remember taking a sticker and actually having to put it across (laughs) where the volume was on Manic Minor because Manic Minor took about 5 minutes to load but it only ever messed up at the very very end so what would happen it'd get to the very very end and if it didn't load it would just reset (laughs) and you'd be sitting there with a, a, a kind of a screen but in all fairness I um I played what was I playing the other day? I went and boot up an old Lego game that I hadn't played with my son for about three months, and I must have had to wait about an hour and a half for the flipping thing to update. <laughs> so it's funny how things gonna go around. He's like that. Should we play? What do you want to play, son? Ah, oh, can we play um Lego Batman Three? Yeah, sure. Let's just put it on. Put it on the PlayStation Four. 
please wait while we update the thing and it was going through like yeah, three different update. updates yeah, it's like, update. yeah, yeah. you know 97 minutes absolutely yeah. fa- absolutely fantastic how do you go from being play by mail Nigel to being man on a quest selling cardboard to people willing to give you money for it how, how I mean and then on to the fulfillment what's the kind of where's the bridge between you Posting out envelopes and posting out boxes. Well, <gasps> after the after the dark years of being in the wilderness of <laughs> PC games and console <laughs> gaming and all the rest of that, which was many years and 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 kids and 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 stuff to come along as well. Um, it it really all started way before. Don't forget, I also have a a very large um, and successful retail business, and and that that yeah. came first, and that came from. Um, um, the good old days of when eBay first launched um, from from that side of things as well, and uh, and having a bit of a hobby and a very addictive hobby. Um, my brother started actually. I blame my brother Paul. He um, he basically he started doing this degree and uh, he bought a psychology book. I remember it well because a year later. I don't remember him buying it. I remember him selling it. And and because he, he, he said, you know, I bought this psychology book for 20 quid a year ago. He said, I've done my courses. On eBay. I just sold it on eBay for like 30 quid. He said, that's, and he said, so I started to sell some other bits. I went, oh, all right, okay. I thought, I'll have a go at that. And I had a, a series of books called The River uh, the River Boat by an author called Philip Joseph Farmer. And I just so yeah. happened that I'd had all five books in the series. I'd read them. I thought, will I read them again? I thought, yeah. I did enjoy them. They were brilliant. But I thought, I probably won't read them again. I'll check them on, I'll check them on eBay for 99p. See where I get, you mm. know. And and I don't know if anybody's ever sold um, uh, stuff on eBay. But when 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 you first, there was never fixed pricing. It was always auction. You know, when it first started, it was all, everything was auction. And, and when you list something... That you know, the 99p was in red. It was always red. But when you got a bid, Richard, when you got a bid, it would go green. Okay, and that feeling of it going green is addictive. All right, it is addictive, particularly when that bid went from 99p for those five books to like nearly 40 quid. Right, and I thought, oh, oh, being a salesman, <laughs> I like that. I'll have a bit of that. I'm off. Yeah, what else can I sell? What else oh, can I raid from oh, my sir. my library that I won't read again? Oh, and then oh, that burned up quickly. I I got the bug, and then we'll go car boot selling, and 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 then and then I'll find a stand with science fiction, fantasy books, and like then I started learning all about first editions and that sort of stuff, and and then and then. Uh, Emma, my wife, got. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> Let's can I come with you. I like go carboot selling. <laughs> Let's go carboot selling, and and she would also buy some stuff as well. And then it kind of um, it, it it just went from there. And and that psychology of green is just it's just terrific. And and it opened up the world because people from all around the world wanted to buy their stuff from me. And 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 you know, and and it was fantastic. And and it was enjoyable. It be and it and it became. Um, and then obviously kids came along. Um, actually, so yeah. this is all just before pre kids, but kids came along and um, and um, you know I said to to Emma like because she was not in a job that she was enjoying. So why don't you work from home, doing selling stuff on eBay? I can go to the post office, much to the 
disgust of the post office. <laughs> you were the absolute darling. Oh, that, they please. hated me. They come sat and begged me on a Saturday to come early because they knew that I used to be called the queue maker because they knew by the time I'd left, there'd be a blinking queue behind me because I'd have so many parcels to post on a Saturday morning. And anyway, so, so we kind of, you know, that became, it became a job, you know, and, um, and, and, and it, that the phrase, Richard, the phrase of one man's junk is another man's treasure is absolutely, it's never a truer word spoken when it came to, to, to buying stuff out of car boot sales and selling them onto eBay. So, um, so that's kind of really where, where it all started. So, um, from, from, so yeah, selling what you, you love and enjoy. And we love science fiction, fantasy books. That's that we love, we love finding them. We love selling them. And then, and then we started selling board games. I don't know if you remember, Remember Colditch? I know the, uh, the Osprey games have redone the I 50th anniversary. I have so. got the anniversary, the new anniversary edition, yeah. Um, but this was this was pre pre all of that. So we um, we used to find first time we found it. Oh, God, I remember playing Colditch when I was a bit younger. So I bought it for I don't know five pounds. Got it home, checked the contents, all good. Didn't realise that it was a really rare sought-after game and would sell for like forty, fifty pounds, you know. And then finding the old Avalon Hill games and oh, it all became exciting. It was new, it was fun, you know. We we had a niche in terms of what we were doing, so yeah. So it all really came stem from that. Um, and then the problem with that was is that nothing was ever resellable and. You know, books started to fade out because of um, the Kindle and that sort of stuff as well. So then we um, we decided to to give selling new games rather than secondhand games. Yeah. Um, and you know, not so much on the books, but that's kind of how we we, we kind of started. And um, and very much um, it, the difference between us and our competition was is I had an IT background. So don't don't get me wrong, I know how IT works, but don't ask me how to actually <laughs> open it up. But I, I can I can sell it. It's um, is pretty much where 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 I'm kind of coming from. So yeah, uh, and because I knew software, we we got into e-commerce software. Um, and because of that, that opened up, you know, um, stock control and listing on Amazon as well as uh, our, uh, our own website, um, which we didn't have, <laughs> which we were looking to have, and um. That multiple ePay sites, international sales, and it, it kind of grew from that. So that's kind of where, yeah. You know, so we became, we first of all became um, retailers, and and from that, going back to your earlier say, I fell yeah. back in, I fell in love with board games again. You know, well not so much again, but I just didn't quite realise how wonderfully diverse the board game market was and, and the games were and how much they'd come on. It was just a revelation. It was fantastic. Did you find that with the eBay side of things was that there was a boom period for eBay where there was very, it seemed to be there'd be a case there was very few sellers or there was very, very few people aware that you could make some decent money on eBay. Cause I seem to remember, um, Places like going into the charity shops and being able to pick up kind of old games. I remember going in the I think it was a cash converter or generator or something like that, and they had like a yeah. a couple of Dreamcast games in there that they were selling for a fiver because they were like, well, they're old systems, and yet they were going on eBay for things like that as well. Did you find that the you eventually ended up having to move away from the car boot stuff 
because it was changing or did you just generally move away because you were like, well, let's kind of start going down the new thing and making some money that way? Um, a bit of both, um, for, for certain. I think that uh, for us, um, the love of books and selling books, it became more um, more more competition for certain. Um, and there was less of the gaming side of things that you could have. But I, I suppose one really good story is a, a, a role-playing system called RuneQuest. And mm-hmm. we'd, um, we bought a lot of D&D stuff in a box. And, and at, right at the end of the box was a, a, a newsletter, hand-typed uh, up newsletter called The Pavic Tales. And they were originals. And um, and I remember saying to her, oh, should we just, just just put these things in a bin? It's like three or four pages of a, like, oh, nah, yeah. stick them on for 99p. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I tell you what, people from all around the world, I mean, they were they went for selling for about 40, 50 pounds each. They were just like, I, I almost regret not photocopying them, you know, but... <laughs> Why didn't I photocopy the things? But I think for but I think well, photocopy it, them. Yeah. Get some tea. Yeah. Pour some tea over them. Uh, yeah, stick them in yeah. the oven for a couple of minutes. And go, oh, guess what? We find a couple more. Yeah. I know. <laughs> shocking. But <laughs> I would never do such a thing. No. He. Um, the thing is, you can't. You, you cannot get that back into stock again. All right. No. So 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 getting those sorts of things come a few far between. And you go to a car boot sale now, and I tell you what, I tell you, it it it. It almost rankles because it's so cutthroat. You know, when people pull up in a car, they are literally swarmed, you know, by by people. I mean, looking through the stuff before he's even out of the car, it's it's kind of got it got sickening, um, you know. And um, and it all became, you know, you kind of would then spot your competition racing, and you'd be racing to get to a stand before them, and it was just like, and 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 our lives became like car boot sale every single weekend <clears throat> we didn't have a life you know it became so it was it's now become so unsustainable then correct. do you not get totally to the situation where you're totally. you're sitting there going yeah kind of like what do you want to do this weekend or i was planning to do that did it get to the point where you i guess you must have known a lot of people that were going mm. and then you could always tell who the newbies were and mm. that's who you queued up on mm. because it's like <clears throat> it's like uh, space number four's got a fear in it Mm. that's usually Darren's spot yeah I know he's not been here before has he and then you're both sidling over no no, we didn't quite get no we didn't quite get to the point where where we knew who was going to sell but certainly in terms of going to buy and it was yeah. people like would have a shopping trolley oh, I hate it he's got a shopping trolley <laughs> and I really don't like him because he nicks my stock you know and it, 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 it all became, yeah. It was, it was, it was not sustainable. It really, really wasn't. So, um, um, and then um, the second baby came along six months later, or a year later after the, you know, when it could go back to work. And a friend of ours, Amanda, who was also looking to to, to get back into work, and I said to to um, to her and to Emma, I said, look, I was still in IT at the time. I I, I still wasn't involved in the business per se. And I said to these the, the two of them, why don't you? Why don't you do this? I think with Turbolista and eBay and new stock, yeah. and we, we looked at his Devium stock range at the time. And um, why don't we? Um, why don't we do this? But why don't you work with Emma to do this? And she agreed to do that, and and they started off really really well. So um, and um, and I just happened to um, have about three or four months later, I actually got made redundant from from um, a well paid kind of IT job selling IT yeah. stuff, and I had some redundancy. and went. 
I love this. Would you mind me coming in with you guys? And um, and that's we we formed that that partnership. So um, and it was called Celtic Goddess Books. There we go. There so, you go. Was it? Um, I mean, was it was it unusual for someone like yourself, like an eBay seller or an online seller, to be approaching the likes of his Deviant, going up to them and saying, "Listen, we want to sell. We want to sell the stuff online." Or were they already? aware of what the what was happening with the market no they were um I, I think we got um we got in at the right time where it was there was there was definitely online sellers and um we, we had a slightly different approach and um and we managed to open an account and they were still opening up accounts to people who would who would um you know would, would just buy they didn't really at the time have a a checkup criteria you didn't have to have a vat number and that sort of stuff now they're a lot more, more hotter in terms of being able to show that you are a genuine business so um yeah so um so yeah i think we were we weren't the first but we were certainly were, were one of the, the 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 starters i think but there was a lot of companies such as games law and um and a few others who were you know incredibly well established uh, that I got in a few years before, um, you know, and, and really established themselves. So, which is why we then, you know, we quickly realised that yes, we were we were selling board games, but it was actually still a competitive market, and we probably needed to branch out. Which is why we then went into, to to, uh, to collectibles and and other things as well. So, so you're the kind of were you kind of going into like the statues and special editions yeah. of things that you could get and, and and kind of things like that, yeah. Yeah, we had to. There was three of us in the business, and we needed we needed money, <laughs> so you couldn't survive yeah. on board games alone. So we came up with the idea: if you like if you like Game of Thrones, the board games, and would you be interested in buying Game of Thrones the mug and the T-shirt and the, the models and that sort of stuff as well? And and let's yeah. be honest with you, Emma and Amanda were more into. In, in, into baby stuff and toys so they had a, an affinity and stuff with those so we would start selling we would start selling brio so um you know and and, and um and it's funny how there's a wonderful synergy in the world actually we one of the companies that we dealt with we, we sold a lot of their products via distributor was learning resources now the founder of learning resources um is now a customer of ours because and he's coming over to uk expo and because mm. they're the ultimate table gaming company who've just did this new you know kit kind of tables which look amazing and fantastic and it's just it's just quite amazing how that how, how that world comes around so i had a bit of a fanboy moment with him actually the other night but yeah um, <laughs> when i wanted was a customer like yes come over like my learning resources like we sit my bed. um so so yeah we, we we had to diverse we had to we had to but at the at the hub at the heart and soul of what i was about um was, yeah. and, and um and emma and amanda really was about board games that was our that was really the the rest of the stuff that we said online was very kind of trying to make some money, but at the heart at the at the heart of what we enjoyed and loved was was a board game. So, is it is it incredibly difficult to make a living by just selling board games at all? Because I, I you know um, I am aware of the the kind of the marketplace industry of your Amazons and your eBays of this world, and I regularly check on both platforms to see who's who's selling kind of the current crop and I'll see yourselves and you know you'll see like the you'll see the usual suspects on it again and then again and again and then you'll see the kind of the new the new sellers I mean when you've seen kind of people on Amazon are you kind of like I'll give them six months and they'll either still be here or I'll be kind of long gone it, it is incredibly difficult and I don't take a blind bit of notice 
Uh, I've gone. I don't take any notice because if you do, you're going to second guess yourself all day long, and and you can't, you know, you can't look over your shoulder. We've diversified. We've moved on. You know, we do. uh, You know, you you come to your UK Expo, and I pretty much guarantee that we'll probably be one of the, if not the biggest retail stand, um, at at UK Expo. You know, Um, and we've done lots of shows, and we've branched out, and you know, we're we're going to be opening up a, a ball game cafe in Portsmouth with a few other guys. Um, you know, so you know you have to diversify, and we've you know we've got a good got a good reputation. You know, we've got a good brand, um, and you know we're, we're pretty reliable. Um, you know, in terms of um, in terms of getting the games out to people, so so you can't second guess. You can't look, and it is incredibly difficult. And you just you just have to have. You know, the thing is, there are still a lot of bedroom sellers out there, and you know, it's a terminology that's not meant to be derogatory. Hey, I started. That's how I started. Okay, we worked from the garage, and that's how I started. So I'm not knocking yeah. it, but yeah. they're very limited in terms of the, the the amount of stock they can hold and the amount of cash flow that they have. Um, whereas we, um, you know, um, have a, a a large range of um, of games. Um, you know, so we've got we've got good choice. So um, so you know, and people do come back to us. So. Do you have quite a large collection then yourself? I mean, because obviously you've got access to probably the stock in a potentially a more direct way than a lot of people. Do you do you find your you you end up you've ended up with quite a, a decent collection of board games, or do you have have you got quite a control? Because you are effectively the epitome of a of a child in a candy shop when it comes to cardboard. I mean, there is nothing from stopping you from going. All right, I'm J- Jason, Jamie. I'm just taking this this one. Exactly. It's uh, it, the game has to really resonate with me, but I, I, two factors why I don't. Um, one is because of my very good friend uh, uh, John Bruton, who was one yeah. of my very first customers, and uh, turns out he lived literally. Well, if I could walk through my neighbor's next door garden, it would be like a, a three second walk to his house. And, oh, and right. when he, he came to my house to collect a game he bought for me, and um, I said, oh, I'm thinking of opening open a board game club. And he said, Well, he says, I already have one and I've been collecting games for 30 years. And why don't you come <laughs> round? And I went, Oh my God. And like, I go into his garage and he's been collecting games for 30 years. And I didn't need to buy any games because he would just buy them all anyway, um, or most of them. And, um, and, um, yeah. So he has got an amazing range of board games and yeah. he reads all the rules. I don't need to read any rules. He's fantastic. And, um, so, but yeah, I have, um, I do have, there are certain games that, um, that, that that are in my collection, but I, but you're right. I, 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 the, my collections in the warehouse. I can go and pick a game off the shelf at any time I want to if I really, really, really kind of want to play it. So, but there are certain games in my collection, mostly, um, m- mostly social gaming. So, um, because um, or gateway games because I like to introduce people to the hobby, my friends and stuff who maybe not play board games, and it's easy to come down. Yeah. Around. Like I've introduced some friends of mine to Catan the other night and they absolutely loved it they loved it so um yeah so, so no i don't have a massive personal array i have some games but i don't have yeah. a massive personal collection so um, don't need to is that the same with kickstarter then i mean are you are you somebody that partakes kind of like in a kickstarter I have used you become to. more involved have you become more involved in that I, over I used the to. couple of years i i played raising sun but i didn't get it I didn't fill my pledge management properly. 
Go on, what was that? Sorry, you, you, you could have broke. You could have broke. I didn't get my game. Oh, gutted. Oh, they absolutely ripped the hell out of me in the office. Absolutely. <laughs> Danny and Sam were in the office, so they, they got their pledge managers. So they said, like, but, but nice. And then Danny looked up as a pledge manager and went, your name's not on the pledge manager. What do you mean? Yes, of course it is. Did you fill your pledge manager in? Yes, of course it is. It was on my Kickstarter. <laughs> what about the email from... <laughs> Check the email. Oh. And it must have come in, the, the, I think it came in November time or something where I was, I was completely distracted oh. and didn't see the pledge manager. And I was on the phone to yeah, Skype to see on who obviously a customer. <laughs> and they said, we can't, no, you didn't fill your pledge manager. Oh, damn, it's in America. So, yeah. So my pledge, the head of your pledge did not fill. And But actually, bizarrely, and I was saying this uh, earlier on, somebody, it, it turned out to be a good thing because people ring us up and going like, well, where's my pledge? Where's my pledge? And I said, you check them. It's well, you're not on there. And it's like, and actually, and I'll name wow. and shame him, but Matt of Battlefront uh, Miniatures did exactly the same. And yeah. um, and um, he uh, he rang me up. He said, Nigel, where's my, my Rising Sun? When you when you sending me Rising Sun? So Matt, you, you're not on the pledge list. Yes, I am. I filled it. In. I said, I am. I said, I said, have you done the same as me, Matt? Have you, have you not filled your pledge manager in? What, what what pledge manager? Yeah, so my Kickstarter. I said, oh no, did you get this email? And and lo and behold, we had we had quite a few people ringing us, to, you know, demanding where the Kickstarters were and saying. And actually, we had a a canned response going, did you fill that pledge manager in? And you won't believe oh, the amount of people goodness. that didn't, me included. So actually, I think it was a godsend. I think it was a real reason I didn't do that. It helped me with my customers or my Simon's customers, I should say. So, yeah. so it was a it was a time for you to share, it was a time for you to grow, and ultimately it was a time for you to become just a better Nigel, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, take it, I, take, no, really, no. I take it everyone else is <laughs> everyone else in the office have got their copy and do they gloat? Did they just say, I'm just going to leave this here? Oh, Danny loved it. I'm off for Let's do a box opening, Nigel. Oh, look, I kept it for you. Let's do a box opening. They made, literally they made me do the box opening with them, <laughs> bless them, and and I've got to say oh, so I, I, I love the mat, I love the play mat is amazing, so um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know terrible, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know. So how do you go? How do you how do you go from? I was going to say how do you go from selling games to not filling in pledge managers and filling in the gap in the middle where you're actually sending out. Kickstarters to people. I mean, you're obviously you're diversifying. Pure fluke. So pure fluke, Richard. Honestly, I mean, sometimes you've got to be in the right place at, at, at the right time. And um, one of my customers um, from Portsmouth, and um, it was a big customer of mine. He spent a lot of money. He's emigrated now, bizarrely, but um, but you can't get away because I saw his name on a Kickstarter pledge that we shipped out to Australia the other day. Anyway, he recommended Doctor Fing. I mean, who Doctor Doctor Fing, Steve Fing, um, for, who designed Biblios and yeah. And um, he 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 was a customer. He said, "Why don't you ask Nigel?" He said, "Because uh, he asked uh, Julian if he uh, had any uh, knew any companies." So I well, asked Nigel. So I buy my games. They're, they're good people. And why do you ask him? So uh, Steve reached out to me, and I reached back and said, "Like reaching out, what a name!" Yeah. So anyway, uh, terminology. I love the terminology. You're so but, American. Uh, uh, <laughs> but the Americans love it, and most of my customers are American. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. It's a it's a brilliant <laughs> phrase. People just it just relaxes people. You know, when people now say to me, yeah. oh, I hate cold callers, I used to do it all the time. Like, I'm just reaching out. Oh, bless you. Oh, yeah. All right, then. I'll listen. Absolutely. It's honestly, I was like, I'm struggling genuinely. a bit. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm Steve reached out and, and we got back and we and, he, and I said, well, yeah, well, I'm shipping games all over the world anyway. And I ship about hundreds of games a day or whatever, or a hundred parts a day. So, yeah, why not? I'll give it a go. 
So we sent yeah. the products over and um, we said, that's only 50, 60 parcels, something like that. And it worked. And then a couple of months later, he said, got another game. Would you do that for me? And I went, yeah, of course we will. That was cool. Repeat business. That's good. And then his uh, good old friend, um, uh, he recommended Eduardo from Pencil First. Um, and Eduardo then, then came along and said, I, I see you're doing Steve's games. Can you do mine for me? Yeah, of course I can. Not a problem. And then he, so, and it, and it, that, our Edward was amazing. Yeah, it, I have a lot of time. I have a lot of time for Edward. He's been on the show before. I think he's been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, his, um, he's got a couple of his games are going to be. They're probably coming our way through you anyway. They will I be. Yeah, uh, Mid March, I believe. So yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. So mm. it just went from there, and we started reaching out to to a few people. Then, you know, I. You've got to sometimes roll the dice. I thought, oh, this 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 has got potential potentially. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. double barrel. But anyway, um, and I I reached out to um, I reached out to um, Isdevium because um, I knew the MD Dan Isdevium, and and I reached out to uh, the sales director. Sorry, the sales director at the time he's now MD. But anyway, I reached out to Stephen and said, like, yeah, I've got an idea because one of the things that that a lot of these we start to get a lot of smaller publishers, and what they didn't have was was a um, was was uh, you know a distribution deal potential distribution um at the end of it so so the whole solution is, is that we suddenly started doing we needed freight from china and we knew his devium did that we needed potential distribution we knew his devium did that we know his devium didn't do um um uh, didn't do b2c so they didn't want to do the, the b2c side of it they were all purely b2b and, and in fairness to his devium or now, obviously, Asmodee. I don't know whether I'd go in the past tense because they were Stevium at the time, but um, yeah. they um, um, and I've got a lot of respect for them because, um, unlike you know, other distributors who would sell direct to the end users at shows, you know, um, they never did and they never have, and I don't think they ever will. Um, and what well, I'm pretty sure they want in terms of selling at shows and, and selling direct to the public within the UK. And, and I yeah, a lot of respect for that. So I knew there weren't going to be competition either. So, so I kind of reached out and, and said to them, would they be interested in, in doing a partnership because we could introduce new publishers to them. And never in my wildest dreams that I would say that they would, I didn't want them to recommend people to us. That wasn't why I did it. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was purely looking at, um, at the other way, but being able to introduce and do a value add, and and anyway, so and it just so happens that they've been to Gen Con. This was a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and and they were constantly being asked by our um, their publishers to help do their European fulfillment, and of course they didn't have a solution for that because they weren't geared up to do B two C. So, mm-hmm. and literally, and and it's just timing. That Sunday, the, the, I sent an email to Steve. I had a bit of a eureka moment. I sent an email to to them, and literally on the plane coming over the day later, they said, "Well, the first thing we're going to do is try and sort out a partnership to um to to help people with their EU fulfillment because we're going to lose potential publishers to other distributors. We can't do it. <laughs> and lo and, be- lo and behold, here comes Super Nigel. Literally, yeah, literally. Steve got back to his desk on, on I think it was on the Tuesday because <laughs> the bank holiday, and bang, there's an email. And like, wow, that was good timing. And and and, and <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and and they knew us and they trusted us and they know we're a good customer. We spent a lot of money with them, but equally that that that. You know, I thought well, obviously I had a good reputation of being a, a, a pretty decent person. So, um, 
so that 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 kind of went from there. And they they kind of um, they started recommending people to us, which was great for us. And and obviously they they recommended um, Cool Mini to us. So um, you know, and Cool Mini saw us at um, at the UK Expo show, like liked our stand, looked like we did, and um, and then they tested us out, and um, and and we did a fantastic job for them. So um, and in fact they they were. I mean, I remember they were trying another American fulfillment company out who totally messed it up for them. And um, whereas in the EU, they they um, we did a brilliant job. And it's just kind of it's kind of gone from there. But I couldn't do it myself. I brought a guy, um, uh, one of my customers, Andy, who had literally spent a lot of money since getting back into the hobby with me. And um, and I knew he was he he'd agreed to in the meantime to invest in the 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 the, um, the coffee shop idea in Portsmouth, which um, he was a, he's a, a part shareholder there, and I said to him, "Look, mate, would you mind taking like maybe before this cafe opens, you know, and it still hasn't two years later, but we're nearly there." Um, <laughs> <laughs> Slip that one in. But he, I said, "Come in for six months. Come in for six months." And he said, "What do I want to do?" He said, "I've never sold." I said, "Well, just reach out by email. You don't have to speak to him. Just reach out by email to all these Kickstarter people." He said, "Well, why me?" I said, "Because you've got a passion for gaming." You understand you, you and people naturally like you, and um, so all right, give it a go. So you know, you know, now he's a director in the business, and the fulfillment business is booming, and um, you know, he's been part of that 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 success. So um, so we've kind of you know I've got and I've got you got good people around you as well. So it's kind of gone from there, but but most importantly of all was was Andy's attitude in terms of um, gaining a good reputation and um, and winning people like um, James Mathey and. Jamie Stegmaier and people like that and, and doing a good job for these people. So it's kind of gone from there, really. Well, I mean, what's it like when you get somebody... <clears throat> I mean, do you still get a little bit of starstruck? You know, when somebody... Because, I, I mean, I've... I mean, I've had Jamie on the show... I've had Jamie on the show twice mm. now. And both times, I'm kind of like going, right, okay, I'm just going upstairs to speak to Jamie Stegmaier on a podcast. Yeah. Okay, here we go. And it's kind of like that Wayne... Wayne's world, you know, I'm hanging around with Alice Cooper and everything's cool. I'm not going to throw up, kind of thing. But do you ever, I mean, did you, when you were first starting this, did you think, well, I'm going to have, you know, Jamie Stegmaier or Simon are all going to be, you know, kind of on the books. And you've had all the, you've had quite a few other well-known, really big, successful kind of Kickstarters kind of coming on board as well. I mean, are you surprised at are you pleasantly surprised about how successful it's become? How part of how much of part of the business has become, or part of the kind of the core Games Quest business has become? Uh, well, yeah, immensely proud of um, of what we've achieved um, in the last two years, and and the growth has been been huge, and um, and and we are suffering some headaches because of that. But you've got I've got good people around us, and um, and who care passionately about what they do and and obviously about what what they handle on a day in day basis and about the games that they handle because you know they they you know I don't think there's anybody not only my retail team or anybody that is actually not a hobbyist who's not who's not part of the hobby um, nobody um, in the team they they all love the hobby and you have to and and I, I suppose yes a, a little bit starstruck in the sense of in sense of the the, the people that have come on board, but but our success is basically that we are we are very specialist. Okay, we are you know there's other companies out there though who are generic fulfillment companies that don't really understand, you know, um, 
how to pack a board game and listen, I'm not, you know, you've probably got some listeners out there go, oh, well, mind game damage, but you know, um, but a majority <laughs> of the people that don't, you know, a majority of people that have damage rate is so low, it's unbelievable. So, but yeah. Um, well, I am currently thinking there's potentially a couple of um, chicken themed restaurants that could be doing with a new delivery partner. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that today. Yes, and apparently yes. they, they they got the somebody else in to, to yeah, save money. Right. Yeah, they got somebody else in to save money, and then what's happened is the guys have went. No, you're not getting any chicken today. I'm afraid. I oh, I can't because we use DHL and they're, they're great, you know. So, um, but yeah, so uh, it's it's um, I suppose for us it's um, you know we've 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 done a lot over the last few months and and there's been a couple of projects that have, that have struggled with that but but overall you know we've we've done a we think we've done a a, a really good job I mean Jamie Stegmaier you know, he had tried before he stopped doing Kickstarter he had tried every single fulfillment company pretty much well not every single one but a lot of ones he tested out and tried the systems and stuff and you know we came out of top you know he recommended us as um as the the the, the number one fulfillment company in Europe so. There has to be something, you know, we have to do something right, you know, to, to kind of get Minion Games have tried many, many. And you know what James Matthews is like. He, he, does yeah. not take, he does not suffer fools gladly. You know, we took no. a, he took a bit of convincing. That's why he's not, that's why he's not being on the show. Because no. <laughs> he probably, he's probably <laughs> listened to me. No, no, he's all right with Scottish fools. It's just, he'd be fine. So, absolutely fine. So. But he doesn't suffer fools gladly. And, and, and we were hard to win him and um and now he's on his sixth or seventh project with us so you know so, um so yeah we do get a lot of repeat business and i suppose for me now <laughs> for me it's not so much the personalities but the sort of game that is um that, that, that comes out there so for example i'm a massive princess bride fan okay i'm one of the world's worst princess bride fans you possibly imagine quote it all the time that drive people mad you know like every night i say to people you know good night still might kill you in the morning so you know i i can't resist and and we've just won um um the the prince of bride role-playing game you know so um from um yeah. toy vault so they've, they've agreed to use us um for, for, for the fulfillment on that and um and, and it was ah oh, i tell you i was i was i said to the guy i said i'm holding the phone in my left hand I can hold my phone, the phone in the left hand, oh, and I just couldn't stop myself, you know. Just and 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 another big one is uh, there's one on Kickstarter at the minute, so go and check it out because it's fantastic. Called the Reckoners, which is by an author called Brandon yeah. Sanderson, and uh, and I said to Brett at Double Games as soon as I found out it was what he was doing, and he, was, he reached out to us. So you are not going anywhere else. I I you, you would know <laughs> you are not going anywhere else. I demand you you use us because I love the game, and I think that's how passion and enthusiasm comes. It's just like oh my god, the Reckoners. One of my favourite books and favourite authors, so I, I get know. very passionate, excited about the sort of some of the games that we do as well. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know these words you keep using. I don't think it means what you, you think, think it means. It means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, people are going to get that. People are going to be going, "Why is he? What's he? What's why is he? Yeah. Why is he trying to do a Welsh accent?" <laughs> I, was it a I mean, Spanish accent? I'm not left-handed. No, um, no. Boyo. <laughs> <laughs> um when okay, so here's <clears throat> there's obviously the, the, the grumpiest people are the loudest people. Yes. You can't help that. No. And when you do you ever go on to Kickstarter campaigns or, you know, and see if if there's been kind of say a, a road bump in terms of the fulfilment and you see people kind of 
cursing your name kind of left, right and centre, or just generally not saying very nice things about you. Do you have... I mean, obviously, you can't kind of jump in, I guess, and say, actually, I think you'll find that, you know, it wasn't our issue, it was something else. I mean, do you have to kind of distance yourself from that? Do you, you know, is it, is it a case that you're kind of in that horrible situation where you don't really have a direct... You can't go back and comment on what's kind of happening in the campaign in terms of the fulfilment, can you? Or or is that something that you do through choice, that you just generally try and keep your distance with these things? Uh, it, it is difficult. Um, I have to laugh. When I, was, when I first started eBay, and I would take every single feedback personally, okay? If it's a negative feedback, I would jump i would jump down that on that person and try and work out why and and it became you know and i, and I would eat myself up and and it would be the same it would be the same with you but what, what people have got to remember is is that look i'm not saying that um that, that we are perfect we're far from it in fact we recently made a couple of mistakes but that's sheer sheer volume of um of business that we've had over the last six weeks um but a majority of time, well, there's two sides to every story, okay? And and fulfillment it is not as easy. A lot of people say, oh, you've had that important after two weeks. Why hasn't it, you know? I, well, I have a, a story when Simon first came and I had a, a Geordie, and I probably won't do a Geordie accent, but he, he came on board and said, I, I've been tracking your shipment and it's been important now for two weeks and you've done nothing. And I, I must admit, at that point, I I kind of had enough and, and I just let him have it. I just, just like just like went into absolute detail. Do you know they have eight containers all loose loaded? We have to pull them off. We have to palletize them off. Blah, 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 blah. And do you know that I don't know amongst all of those 14,000 parcels, where's yours in, server? And, and in fairness, to him, in fairness to him, he turned around. And he said, "I best keep my trap shut next time." <laughs> you know, like you know, my best. Was that? Is that you? That was Yorkshire. I don't know. He was like, "Yeah, I told you, I didn't try. I don't know why I tried Channel it." Channel and Michael Parkins. Into security. Anyway, <laughs> and in fairness, but, but we can't because ultimately, what people have got to realise is that they are not our customer. You know, if they backed yeah. a, a whatever project they're backed, they are the publisher's customers, not ours. The customer is the publisher, so we would be. Completely Completely out of order to to jump on into into that, and it hurts sometimes because we know that the error or the inability of the the, the publisher, or not even it's not directly our fault, um, and, and that's that happens a lot. And you know, we've got I can't go into detail, but we've got one particular project that the one that's sat in our warehouse and we can't move it. And people are <laughs> sat there going like, "What if I paid you for the postage? It's not our product. We can't do that. It's not our product." And yeah. um, and it's it's and you're not our customer, you know. Um, and we are trying to do our best, but ultimately, yeah. But but recently there was a lot of Facebook um, chat on on the board game, which I am part of that community, and I actually just said, "Look, guys, if you ever have a problem, don't 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 air it here because it gets it gets toxic." anybody's willing to reach out on Facebook to me and, and email me personally. And bizarrely, on a few occasions where I've actually explained one-to-one what's gone on, they've actually turned around on, on the last two of the three occasions and actually removed what they originally wrote. You know, so I say that it's it's not it's not easy, but no, we we can't do it. We really can't do it. And um, yeah. we try to stay aloof because a lot of noise comes from... Um, I, I tell you what it is. We, if you look on our website, I'm not plugging this, but we, we're, we're FIFO now. We've just won a, the FIFO Trusted Merchant Award, which is actually very hard to get. You have to have more than 98% feedback to get that. Okay. What, what website's that, Nigel? Uh, it's gamesquest.co.uk. 
Marvellous. Don't call it your curation. Is that a shameless plug? <laughs> no. Anyway, so you've got to have a look at that. Now, the problem with the problem with fulfilment is is that it's very hard, we're talking about this, to actually elicit positive response because when you get your parcel in the post and it's come from a third party fulfilment company, your first thought is, Well, they've done their job. Thank you. That's it. Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. feel a groundswell yeah. of going, ah, oh, I'm going to go online and tell them how wonderful and great they are because, in actual fact, we've simply done our job. It's been packaged well, it's arrived in the post, and it's there. And and, and a lot of people will will, um, will throw negativity around because their package, there's been a problem with their package and or there's been an issue or, you know, I mean, we're inundated with customer services right now. We're like, we're about a week behind. It's just it's so busy, you know, but, um, you know, so people have that negative spin and a lot of noise comes from a very very small majority of people so we're trying to work out well how do we elicit you know the 150,000 parcels that we did of which less than half a percent less than half a percent was actually damaged you know how do we elicit all that positive response and it's very difficult yeah very difficult in a fulfillment market to do that so and what's going to say in terms of um you preparing Say, say I rock, say I rock up to you. Say I am, um, for instance, say, um, say I'm, I'm, I've run a campaign and I've gone from say two hundred parcels, and my Kickstarter, my Kickstarter for whatever reason has just stormed it, and I've ended up, you know, it's, I've got three thousand boxes, yeah. kind of coming your way instead. I mean, are you automatically, are you able to take? I take it you must, you, you must know, you must have. Do you have like a six month kind of almost warning? I take it from the manufacturer because I take it what happens is the guys they get the Kickstarter money and the first thing they do is they would, you know, they they pay the manufacturer, but do they they have to pay you some money to hold things open? So are you generally quite pre- prepared, or do you ever get, kind of get? Do you ever kind of get nasty surprises? Do you get folk kind of like rocking up and saying, "Oh, here's my stuff"? Oh, you would not believe it. Um, I, I, I mean, I've dealt with an American company that we've done a partner with, and um, and they say, oh, if it's scheduled, in, if it misses a schedule, tough luck. Well, I don't know how they do that. I mean, unless people have used uh, use our freight, okay, services. So we we've now partnered with a freight company to 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 get stuff in from China. And you know what? The reason we do that um, is very much to have visibility and control, whatever, because. Now, honestly, I could tell you stories of people who have um, who who uh, you know a lot of the publishers are semi-professional people and don't really kind of get it and it, we've had phone calls in the past where they've gone like um i spoke to you about six months ago yeah i remember i saw the email got your quote yeah 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 well i'd like you to do my film for me brilliant okay when's that coming in uh, <laughs> it's actually in the port now would you help me get it out of the port will you uh, what do you mean it's in port where is it yeah yeah, yeah. It'd be there in a day or two and, and I, that has happened on numerous occasions where it, it's kind of pulled out. And I think I think our problem is is that something we don't like to say no to people because we are enthusiastic boy. We don't like to say no, and we don't like giving people bad news. We say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course we'll try and do it for you. Of course we'll try and do it for you. And I think we've learned the hard way to maybe not to um, over promise and under deliver, but we have to flip it the other yeah. way. But yeah, it happens all the time. And and. Um, <laughs> And we've learned a huge amount, but the publishers now, we, we try to say, we try to message like port to door because if we can have more visibility control, then we can schedule in. But but logistics, I was talking to a, a partner of ours and saying like they killed themselves laughing because I said, you know what, logistics is a bloody, excuse my phrase, shitty business, you know, because, you know, it, it could go wrong at any time. It, it can go wrong. And, and all the best will in the world, all the efforts you can make, 
you're human beings, but more importantly, you're not in control all the time. You're at, you're yeah. at, you're at the mercy of port authorities. All right, so I'll give you a really good example. A very good friend of mine who successfully escaped the Dark Castle. I know you won't mind me talking um, about him. But um, so, um, Tom, you know, he's helped me at shows. He used to work for his Deviant. I know him well, and we've we've helped him from the moment it, you know, the Kickstarter went live to when he went to manufacture. We've imported his stuff for him. Now, we've been doing this. We've been doing freight now for two years, okay? Not once, not once has any of our containers been subject to a custom custom inspection not once yeah. okay so now here's a slight delay but we're hoping to get it in for christmas we want to do some signings and stuff what happens it lands on the, i think it was like the 19th of december what happens as i made the phone call to Tom. what happens it's been impounded Custom. for customs inspection <laughs> what? Oh and this is a friend of mine who you know who i work very closely with who's a who's a good guy you know and I wasn't in control of that. I, you know, luckily it did actually get, um, it got into our warehouse between Christmas and New Year. And he, he was able to get the, the, the other guys down and do some signings for it. But you just don't know, you know, you just, you know, who knows? I mean, you could, you could get pirates, you know. <laughs> what is that? I mean, what does that mean? I mean, you're, you're saying kind of customs inspection. Does that mean that somebody that needs to physically go through the kind of the, I guess, um, through the packets and just check that everything is as as, as it says, or yeah. are they checking for duty and stuff like that? Checking the value of the goods and things like that. Yeah, too? yeah, they'll check. Um, they'll, they'll check. I think mostly for they'll, they'll check the contents for obviously things like drugs and that sort of stuff, but also that yeah. that has the um, 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 right certification, the right EU markings. You know that it's got the right certification for the right age group. You know that sort of stuff as well. Make sure this legitimate product. So um, yeah, so it it happens doesn't happen often, but yeah, they do um, they do do they do they do all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's um it's a complex it's it's a dark art. There's no two ways about that. It's not um, and you're not in control either half the time. And and you're right, people just literally show out show out the blue and the stuff like oh you know it's um, it's a week out of port. So it is very difficult to schedule in. And and when you try to do and Simon is a perfect example of that where they actually came in a bit early and some of the other projects that that we tried desperately to get out beforehand arrive late. And you know, and bang, you have that that clash, and um, and and then becomes incredibly tough. So, I mean, I take it you just have to kind of deal with what you've got at the time as best that you can, and that sometimes you'll get like, um, because I know that like Rising Sun, Green Horde, and yes. everything like that seems to have kind of landed, kind of yeah, kind of all, all at once. Yeah. Have you just like that? Oh my goodness! So, so, or you, so give me a good idea about how big this was and our first year we did about twenty eight thousand parcels of the whole you know the whole year obviously most of that in the second half of the year as we were kind of growing and projects started to arrive so one month in one month in january you know we we, we beat that you know we it, you know the simon itself was like about twenty six thousand parcels you know and then plus all the other other projects that we did was about forty thousand parcels so in the first month of this year we did more in the, than we did in the whole of the first year that we that we, we did business and that just shows you how it's really hard we wish we could schedule um but it's so so hard because you're you know what you do with say well we're not like some of the other companies that i could name where yeah sorry it's arrived three days late you now have to wait another four weeks before we can put you into another schedule mm-hmm. how much more would that annoy people so i don't know I, I i wish i knew the answers but i don't half the time 
but I do. I mean, is there anything, if a guy is sitting there and he's saying, right, okay, I am going through looking at my looking at my Kickstarter fulfillment and, you know, they're mucking around, they're looking at, say, you know, Amazon FBA, oh, I'll stick it in Amazon FBA and they'll fulfill it. Or they're kind of toying about. How can they make, for you, acting as a fulfillment partner, what are the key things that they can do to make things kind of run as smoothly as possible? For yourself, who would you say is it? You know, who's a really nice, decent guy who's just like, yeah, that's fine. You're two hundred guys, two hundred packets. They're out there. Everything's been fine. What you know? What what advice would you give to somebody who is, you know, thinking about kind of approaching you? Um, let's imagine they've successfully done the Kickstarter, but it, it's obviously making sure that um, a lot of people will will potentially go to whatever the manufacturer. Make sure you've got a manufacturer with a good reputation. If it's too cheap. You'll have problems. <laughs> I'm sat here and I've worked with companies that they thought they get a bargain, but honestly, yeah. go to the likes of uh, Watch Games and Panda and, and uh, Long Pack and people like that, and and benchmark these people because they they've been in the industry for a while now and they do they do a pretty good job though. You know, some some they obviously can't get it right all the time, but get a get a at least get a benchmark price on those guys because they are. They they they're about right and and making sure that you constantly communicate and constantly check everything that's coming in from your um from from your manufacturer get that right and make sure you keep on top of it to get your your um, um your manufacturing right as well and um once you've got that then you can basically you're in control you have to be in control all the time and whatever filter company you use if they have a freight option and it's about the same price you use it because you give them like us we get you know we don't make a huge margin at all on freight but it's all about that control and visibility and making sure that they you have your backer data you know the amount of problems we just discovered um a problem with one of our uh, um, campaigns that we run at the minute that they were complaining that we've double shipped stuff well it turns out that they was um they duplicated their order numbers on their backer data there's only so much validation we can do, you know, and and yeah. you know, and we try our best, but ultimately it's the responsibility of that data that's come across from from the publisher, and um, yeah, so so having having control and and at all times and having and communication is absolutely vital, you know, vital. You know, we've had a situation where we've had nothing from a publisher and we've had a bill through from a from a a freight company that didn't use us, but we had a bill through. And then they started saying, your storage rates are going up. We didn't even know who it was. Honestly, we did not have a clue who the publisher was. They used, they've given our details. We didn't have a clue. And then literally about seven days later, we had an email saying, oh, my stuff's in the, in, in the port and it's not come out. I was like, well, we didn't know who it was. We didn't even know it was you. Um, literally, we and and this is how much we give a damn, right? The the, the, the storage company that they said, well, it's been our port now and basically it's going to charge, we're going to charge you £1,500. And we said, well, look, our customer's not going to pay that. And we fought, it wasn't even our responsibility, but we fought for this small publisher and we got the bill down to 500 quid, you know. So communication is absolutely, whether it's with a manufacturer, freight company, with us, whoever you're dealing with, communication is vital is apt that is the most critical thing from that manufacturing point and whoever fulfillment company use communication is absolutely critical so and what's i mean what's next for you guys then i mean are you 
I mean, the the guy that started off by doing kind of play by mail, the guy that went on to sell on eBay, you know, the guy that's been retailing kind of board games kind of online, you've become you're turning into it's almost like a different kind of beast altogether. It's like a full kind of logistics firm yeah. kind of thing. Are you? I mean, is this something that you you've had to kind of go? Ex- I guess, guess accept, grow comfortable with that, you know, at the end of the day, you're in charge of shifting kind of several tons of cardboard from one side of the world to the other. Um, do you miss the days of maybe the eBay days of packing stuff up and sending it off? Are you quite kind of comfortable and, and kind of happy and contented about where you are as a business now? Um, that is a great question. Um, I, I suppose everybody. I, I look back and um, you know, for the month we've had and 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 you know, we've had to do some firefighting and it's been a but it's been an amazing growth. Uh, when I I tell you what, uh, when I first moved into the, the business, I was a I was a IT salesman. I was hungry. I thought, oh, I could make my millions. Oh, you know, the dream. You know, um, yeah. I could make my millions. And that became that soon became apparent as I learned mistakes in terms of uh, in terms of business and hindsight is a wonderful thing um, but um, I now employ uh, at Christmas time I think I had about 40 to 50 people but on a regular basis now I employ about 26 to 30 people and and I also employ my brother um, his wife uh, my nephew and um, and you know some people who have become my friends and and I'm very proud of that. And that's what that's, you know, I, and I've changed the way I think about it. I'm living the dream because I I sell and I'm involved in stuff that I love to do on a day to day basis that I have a, a massive passion and enthusiasm for. And whether that's shipping other people's games or or stuff that I sell, I, I, I care about it. And, I, you know, I'm building up. Um, I'm building up a company that that is giving employment to people who share that 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 ambition and that that um, that enthusiasm. And for me, that's where I want to go, and I want to keep it growing. And you know, we go to shows, and I love talking to people, and I love evangelising my board games. And as I said, well, you know, we're going to be opening up a board game cafe in Portsmouth, and again, converting people to that hobby to share that passion. So, whatever vehicle I can use to to um, to get that across is 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 what i enjoy so yeah look i want to retire at some point and and you know if i can sell the business and 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 retire very nicely thank you very much i'll have, I'll have achieved something but yeah i want yeah. to keep growing and and we're learning all the time and um there are some great stuff coming out of games quest which um which will help us and our publishers um a, a massive amount but yeah i want to i want to keep growing i want to become knowing as you know people um, that will turn to first and, and has a really great reputation and brand and um and grow something that's successful so um yeah so for me it's it's i'm going to keep growing the way i'm growing i'm going to keep evangelizing i'm going to keep pushing out the hobby you know um if you look at our website www.gamesquest.co.uk and and look at our blog for example i don't you know i give away free games to my bloggers all the time you know i don't make a fortune out of it It doesn't generate me a huge amount of revenue but we're talking about game clubs we're promoting board games I, and and I, and I say to this uh, to bricks and mortar stores, and I think a lot of them do an amazing job, and they have a very dim view of online retailers. And I, and I'll defend us and people like Games Law, um, who who care passionately about a hobby just as much as a bricks and mortar store, and and 
we evangelize about the hobby all the time. We do Insomnia, which is a big, massive gaming festival. And, you know, we run the tabletop zone out there. And that's, you know, bringing more and more people into the hobby all the time. So that's, you know, that's what we're trying to build. And, you know, so, yeah. I have a question then. A last question, as you would say, um, just to sum up. Before we move on and let you go. Oh, go on, Michael. Go on. <laughs> this is a scenario, okay? You have been visiting a warehouse in China. And you've got two minutes before the the car is going to take you to the airport so you can fly away. The warehouse itself has been used as a depository for every single board game under the sun. So you have got first editions, you've got second editions, you've got sealed games, you've got all the expansions in the world. Unfortunately, due to some previous purchases, you only have enough space in your suitcase for three games. In this warehouse in front of you, which is essentially the entire history of the Cardboard Nation, what three games would you take from you to put in your suitcase before you get in the car, before you go to the airport, before you fly back home. It's um, it, it changes, but I, I'll I'll, t- I'll pretend I don't have the games, and so there'd be special editions that I would want to want to take out with me. So, um, uh, the first foremost with is one of my all-time favorite games, which would be um. Um, code names. <laughs> you didn't expect that, were you? Really? Oh God, it's shit. Code names. And I'm harking back, right, to what I just said um, a minute ago when I said um, about evangelising to the hobby. And oh, I suppose, uh, yeah. What I love about code names, and I have got so many people into the hobby because of code names, is absolutely unbelievable you know because people who were scared to go oh board games oh i don't know and you know uh, you mean monopoly i don't like all this hobbyist sort of games you know it's um you know it, it's um you know it's 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 frightening no look play code games right and and, and i've got some very good friends who before they met us would not have tried a board game but because we played code names with them um it was just um it was sheer joy of actually opening up their eyes, and now they play the likes of, you know, Catan and Carcassonne and, and Ticket to Ride, and you know, because they're simply up there. And I think it is probably the, the most simplistic genius of a game that's 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 been invented today. I think it's just I love, and I'm playing it, and me and my wife play another couple with it, and we just won the Codenames World Championships. By eleven games to nine, right at the end of it, best of twenty-one, <laughs> we've got a little trophy, right? And and I love it because of the social interaction you kind of get and stuff as well. And you can play it totally sober, half drunk, drunk. You know, it's great. And I, I, I think that um, it's it's a brilliant, brilliant game. So um, brilliant game. So, um, what's your second game? Second then? game. Um, and and and, and uh, the boys, if I don't say it, will probably. Yeah, call me a hypocrite. So I, I'm going to say, and one of my all-time favorite games is Quartermaster General uh, by Googling Games. Really? Uh, oh my, yes. Okay. Eyes like eyes light up with that because that is a that is a game that stunningly took me by surprise. Um, yes. No, no. We we agree. We applaud. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, we like that. We no, no. We like I, that. We're actually standing up and applauding. Oh, thank you very much, King. I, I, so I, I evangelise it about all the time and I make people play it and. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's uh, what. Okay, what did you think of the nineteen fourteen version? I, 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 it's it's slightly better in some ways and not so good in other ways. Um, I think that it is um, it's more attritional. Uh, I think it kind of grounded down, and, and I, but I think the 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 attritional cards are better and it gives you more different ways of actually winning it. But the amount of times I played it, we've actually run out of cards. You know, by turn fifteen. Um, yeah, is is quite is quite amazing, and uh, but I love I said I love the the original, particularly with the Air Marshal expansion as well. So um, which which adds a bit more bit to, to it. But uh, what I love, I just every game is different. I mean, you know, um, but you've got to play two games. You've got to play two games because one's got to play the Allies because it's it's really hard to win as the Axis um, more so yeah. than the Allies. But um, but yeah, I absolutely love that. So um, that side of things as well. So uh, but, yeah. And your and your third and final game, sir. You have to hurry because the chauffeur is looking a bit um, pensive because he's a he's worried you're going to actually miss your flight. Um, well, it's Starfarers of Catan. <laughs> everybody would go <laughs> well. Okay, so I was sort of go. So everybody knows Catan, all right. But very yeah. few people actually played the version by Cosmos called the Starfarers of Catan. Now, if you love Catan, it's not in print yeah. now, and they should have made this version, the Star Trek version of it. But it is just, I mean, if you like Catan, look, the social aspect of it is fantastic. But the Starfarers of Catan is is literally one of my all-time favourite games. And it's just like, it has spaceships. You roll the spaceship with little balls in there to, to, to sign your movement. You fight pirates. People read out of books. Um, it's got, there's lots of innuendo, as you could say, about having rings and, and plugs and uh, your missiles, and it's just fun. It's just brilliant. And and and, and they ruined Catan by not by not making Star Trek Catan the Starfarers of Catan. So because it's just absolutely it's fantastic. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you played it? Have you ever played Starfarers of Catan? No. Oh, play it, play it, Rich, play it. You've got space everything. And then literally you you they then go, Do you want to go and encounter if you meet pirates and somebody's gonna read from a book and then you've got to you go battle somebody else to your left and stuff, and it's just you, you have a spaceship and it's fantastic. It's great. <laughs> I'm making the noise now. I'm making the shake in the spaceship, with you know, and it, you, get, you can upgrade your ships and find aliens, and, it, and it's just uh, brilliant. I absolutely love Starfire. It's one of my favorite games. Absolutely brilliant. So, um, but yeah, so, yeah. So those, yeah. those would be my. Those would be, and and, it, and each kind of different because you, you know, it's either social gaming or light gaming or a little bit more. But kind of heavy gaming, but I just love. Don't you love the diversity, Richard? Don't you love the sheer diversity of of board gaming? And and you you could play, you know, a very simple starter game, very light game to to conquer the galaxy. To play in just the sheer diversity you could have in a weekend of the different sorts of games you could well, play. Well, I know that I know that. Like, say on Sunday, I had my son had a play date, as in it a a a, a nerd friend from school come round and of course I took out King Domino yeah great game and you know didn't get it five minutes very you know you know first minute oh what's this wood you know tiles cardboard don't know what this is oh little wooden king what's this all about five minutes um oh so we put the numbers in order oh I meant to put my piece here and then I select it and how do I put this down 15 minutes in, he's like saying, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to block you off. I mean, mm. the change. And then after that, we played Tumble Tree, which is a little, you're putting a little kind of, you're building up a little tree. And and then just that, but then I played Dinosaur Island, mm. which, completely different. You know, Dice Forge, The Godfather, 
I mean, it's just catacombs. I mean, you know, I've got GKR heavy hitters waiting to kind of go to the, you know, get to the table. There's, um, it's just that, yeah, you're right. It's just the fact is that I can sit there for an hour, for two hours, for three hours, for eight hours, for 15 minutes, for 20 minutes, and I can be somewhere else for a little bit. And it's it's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. My daughter, she's 13 years old, and I mean, she likes a bit of cold games, she played the games. Anyway, I brought home um, Hogwarts Battles, Harry Potter. Got the deck building game. Oh my god, she's never played deck building. Oh, she can't get enough of it. And it's one of the best <laughs> introductory deck building games I've ever played to get people into deck building games. And so, and thematically amazing. But my 13 year old daughter is suddenly has a passion for a board game. Oh, fantastic. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, the sheer diversity of this hobby is, is well, for us, it was uh, it was Mice and Mystics and Pandemic. Great games, yeah. <laughs> absolutely fantastic um thank you very very much for coming on my pleasure this has absolutely been 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 a pleasure sorry i shouldn't call you richard michael my hero (laughs) um as we say for those of you for those out there that would like to know um where they can find nigel online do you want to tell us where they can find you i mentioned it before but www.gamesquest.co.uk and that's G-A-M-E-S-Q-U-E-S-T dot UK, just in case. And we'll put a link in the show notes because, you know, we always put links in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, Great idea. For, Great uh, you know, I'd, be, I'd, lo- I'd love to know if anybody actually clicks on them, you know. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, and thank you very much for everybody who has been... Um, listening and downloading and, and sharing and things like that. Um, we appreciate every single person that does listen, um, even you. Um, but if you want to find us online, you can go to Twitter and go to We're Not Wizards and you'll find us there. You'll find us on Facebook, We're Not Wizards. You will find us on YouTube. If you go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash We're Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast, you will find us there. And we're only there because our fantastic podcast hosts, Podbean, automatically upload our podcast to YouTube, which is really, really nice. We still haven't heard anything back from Spotify. Unfortunately, they are kind of, it still says it's under review. Um, Not very hopeful. Being honest, ladies and gentlemen, this, this you know, should be a blogified. <laughs> this should be. This should be. This should be. Um, if you like what you've listened to us, if you haven't listened to us before and you're catching up with us, remember you can subscribe to us across things like Speak Spreaker and Stitcher and Podknife and all these wonderful podcatchy places. If you um, really like us, then please jump onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription there because apparently that works wonders for my lower back. Um, if you'd like to love us even a little bit more, please consider giving us a rating or a review. And as we say as normal, it's 2018, but the jokes are still the same. If you like us a lot, remember, um, don't give us 10 stars because that'll make us big-headed. And don't give us one because I am an ugly crier. You know, kind of give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's um, it's average, and we're a we're no, a little bit average. No, I'm not having that. You are far from average. That is not no, ladies and gentlemen, you do not give him a five. Okay, you give this man at least a nine. Okay, at least a nine. Nigel, iTunes only goes up as high as five. Oh, really? 
Well, that's a joke. Any... <laughs> iTunes, what's that? Anyway, no, people, give this guy a nine at least. Nine point five. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and there's only two. There's five. only two more things to do. There's only two more things to do tonight. <laughs> dream of a five. I used to be a six on a good day. Now I'm just a five. Now I dream of being a five. Um, oh my goodness. Um, there's only a couple more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Sorcerers and necromancers. Are we wizards? Stop it. Stop it. I can edit this all wrong again. Um, it's the fifth <laughs> time we've done this. <laughs> it is, and it just keeps getting funnier. Um, well, I know I'm crying with laughter. Um and the other thing is to say goodbye. Listen, it's a goodbye from the fantastic, the magnificent, the amazing Mr. Nigel Matthews from GamesQuest.co.uk. <laughs> Again, thank you very much, sir, My for pleasure. coming on. Thanks. It's been great fun. And, um, and thanks all for listening. Listen more. That's not what you said last time. You said something funnier. But anyway. right. and <laughs> I, I tried I to do Ronnie Corbett. And it's good night from him. <laughs> and it's a good night from me. <laughs> And it's a goodbye. Uh, say goodbye, Nigel. Goodbye. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and um, yeah, next time you're looking for a board quest, uh, maybe check out Games Quest. And uh, we shall speak to you next Mr. time. Pan. Until Love then. Bye bye. Good night, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye.